Welcome listeners. My name is Lauren Hill and you are listening to the Body Wisdom Podcast. I am a contributing writer to the Body Wisdom publication on medium.com and today I'm going to be interviewing Tammy Bullmash. Did I pronounce your name right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I should, should have asked you that ahead of time. Um, Tammy is the founder of the publication Body Wisdom on medium.com and before we get started, I'm going to just um, introduce Tammy, and I'm going to read my intro so that I don't miss anything that's important. So Tammy has spent the past 19 years studying, researching, writing, and teaching about posture. She has been a certified teacher of the Alexander Technique since 2009. Tammy has a bachelor's degree in psychology and two master's degrees one in theater performance, and one in anthropology. While in graduate school for anthropology, Tammy conducted a qualitative and quantitative socio-anthropological study, which examined the relationship of lifestyle practices and posture among children. Tammy, as I said, is also the founder of Body Wisdom, a publication on the online platform Medium. Body wisdom brings together ideas about the mind-body connection in terms of health, well-being, personal development, optimal functioning, and performance. Today, we're going to be talking about an article that Tammy published on Body Wisdom some time ago now called, Here's What Your Posture Says About You. So welcome, Tammy, and thanks for agreeing to be interviewed. I had to kind of cajole you a little bit. <laughs> well, thank you so much for offering to do that, Lord. Yeah, it's, it's uh, different being on the other side, for sure. <laughs> but thank you so much for doing this. So I, I just wanted to start out with asking how you got involved with the topic of posture in the first place. You've been, as I said, studying and teaching and researching and writing about it for 19 years. And so... What got you interested in the first place all those years ago, and what has kept your interest? Well, I didn't really know it as posture when I discovered the Alexander Technique. It was, um, I discovered it while I was in drama school. And um, when I discovered the, the changes that it brought forth, um, I wanted to pursue it and study it. But it wasn't really um, this notion of posture at the time. It was just, I just wanted to feel better, and, and, and I just saw myself improving. But later on, when I went to study um, and, and, uh, and, and do my training, um, posture became something that I, I had a lens for. So I started noticing different posture um, with different people. I, it was really more about um, the way I noticed people holding their bodies or carrying their bodies. And this became fascinating to me especially when I was working as an English teacher overseas and I noticed my children that were um, not my, my own children, but my students, which I call were like my children. Uh, I noticed the way that they were sitting and I noticed that many of the, the students that I was teaching had these electronic devices at the time and how they were contorting their bodies towards these devices. So I started thinking F.M. Alexander, the founder of the um, Alexander Technique, uh, spoke a lot about children and their development, and this really resonated with me at that time. And that's really what piqued my interest in wanting to um, pursue the study of, of posture. 
So that was kind of going to be my follow-up question was how you, I mean, you seem to have a a kind of a a special interest in children's posture. Mm -hmm. And um, is that kind of where it came from was working with those kids when you were teaching those English classes that kind of got you interested in that? Yeah, that definitely, uh, I, I, I think that I, when I was training, I just wanted to do research so much. I think like a lot of teachers of the Alexander Technique uh, feel this enthusiasm towards the technique and want to share it with the world, at least in the beginning. And I, I was like, how does not, you know, everyone know about this technique? It's so amazing. And uh, I was really drawn to the children because that's, that's who I was in front of all the time. And I thought this would be really um, revolutionary. Um, and at that time, this was in 2005, we weren't quite at the um, age of awareness as we are now. I think there, there's more of like the buzzwords, the, the awareness and, and all that uh, mindfulness that's now really taken hold. But back then, being aware, I don't remember it being part of everyday conversation. And so it, that awareness that we were studying in the Alexander Technique seemed very important for me to, to, to kind of impart on my students and their parents and to research that. Can you, um, I'm, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about, I know you did a research project in mm-hmm. graduate school around children and posture. Can mm-hmm. you, could you summarize that for the listeners a little bit? Sure. Uh, yes, absolutely. Basically what I noticed, uh, and this was a study that I conducted for my, my thesis, it was um, a qualitative, qualitative and quantitative in the sense that we had measurements and there were ways that we assessed um, and you can't really measure posture. So I don't want to, you know, say that that's what the the quantifying thing was, but it was more about images of how students went into a squat. And the squat was something that I had discussed with my, um, my training course uh, teacher to make sure that this was in line with, you know, the Alexander Technique principles. And the squat was a non-invasive way to kind of look at how how students were able to squat and what was happening with their back, what was happening with their knees, and to kind of gauge use in that way, not definitively, but to get an idea. And what really brought me into wanting to research this was I was teaching in an affluent area with children that had a lot of devices. And I was making this correlation in my head, are these devices contributing to these kids rounding their backs and hunching over? Because I would see other children in less affluent areas, running around, playing after school, free play, not structured play where they would have, you know, set times for, you know, an aerobics or uh, uh, a dance or jazz class or whatever they were taking or tennis. But this was hours upon hours of free play where they were playing basketball, running around, doing these things. And their use seemed very different. The, The way they held their bodies seemed very tall in contrast with the other students that I had that were more contorted. So I thought this would be an interesting thing to study. And I was able to get into a a school um, in one of the areas that had these students that comprised of immigrants. So students that were from immigrant populations that didn't assimilate quite in the same way. They maintained a lot of their lifestyle practices from where, uh, you know, culturally speaking, the, the lifestyle practices that I would consider more optimal, optimal use, um, less time in front of technology, more time doing, uh, you know, free play kind of exercise, eating home cooked meals. And there was indeed a correlation that I found between the amount of technology that children had versus uh, not having that much 
technology and how that translated into their uh, overall use that I was able to observe. Great, thanks. That sounds really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I wanna go on to the article that um, you wrote for Body Wisdom. And there's an interesting sentence in your first paragraph that I wanna ask about, and I'm gonna read the sentence mm -hmm. so I make sure that I get it right. Sure. So in that first paragraph, you say, the amount of tension you hold in your body translates into how well you manage your thoughts, actions, and reactions. And I'm going to read that again just for our readers, our listeners. The amount of tension you hold in your body translates into how well you manage your thoughts, actions, and reactions. Now, I, I think, you know, most people can make a connection between excess tension in your body and discomfort or pain but you're making another connection and i'd like you to talk a little bit more about that explain that sure uh i think that the best way that i can think of to explain that is driving in a car so when you're driving in a car and you're listening to music you're relaxed um you're seeing beautiful scenery and you know someone might come behind you uh, but you're in such a good mood they might cut you off whatever you're you know, you're going to react differently to that situation than if you were driving in a car, you're running late to work, your kids are screaming, you have to drop them off. And then someone cuts in front of you, it's like, ah, you know, what did you do? And your neck gets tense and the way that you react. So um, the, the thought process is very different. And the way that we think and the way that we act and the way that we react is very different. And our nervous system, uh, response to uh, our thoughts in, 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 that, in that way. If you are thinking, I guess, what I would call thinking up uh, in the sense where I'm mindful of my space, I am um, mindful of the fact that, you know, things may happen that are not going to affect me um, and take that sort of sense, that, that control that you have. Um, I think that is a level awareness of awareness that you learn with the Alexander Technique. But prior to having studied the Alexander Technique, I wouldn't know the difference between having a choice to react in the first way or having a choice to react in the second way. And so uh, I guess what, and this is hard to explain, but I guess what I was trying to say in that paragraph is that what we're thinking the way the way we react to even our thoughts translates into our actions and reactions you know someone you can be running late to work you can have the kids screaming in the car but you don't have to react with tension if you pause for a moment and take a moment and say okay i i am in control here i don't have to give in to that temptation to just get angry and tense and and this translates into so, this neck tension translates into so many other areas in our body that also become tense as a result of that. So it's, I mean, I like your, I like your example. I certainly can relate to it. <laughs> and it sounds like, I mean, when you're listening to the music and you're not having kind of stressful mm -hmm. thoughts, um, you're in a certain kind of state. Um, and we call that a low tension state or less tension state. Whereas when you're in the rushed mood, you're in a higher tension state and it's almost like you're already primed to react in a in a negative way when something happens instead of 
being able to kind of calmly say, oh yeah, I can, I can choose not to honk my horn or give the guy the middle finger or whatever. <laughs> is that sort of, is that along the lines of what you're Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I love that you use the word primed because I think that's exactly it. I think that that's, uh, that's it. And, uh, and I've been in that situation too many times, you know, when I'm driving, I use words that I normally would not use. And, um, and then I catch myself and I remember I don't have to react that way. Um, it doesn't feel like a choice in the moment. In the moment, it feels like, well, I just reacted, but it, it ultimately is a choice. Right. So another thing in the article, the art, the, in the title of the article, you use the word posture, and you certainly use the word posture throughout the article. But at one point in the article, you use the word poise. Mm -hmm. And I am an Alexander teacher as well, as you know. And a lot of Alexander teachers prefer to use the word poise instead of posture. So I'm curious about your take on those two words, posture and poise. Are they the same thing? Are they different? And if they're different, how are they different? That's a great question. That's a wonderful question. And I'm glad that you're um, asking this question because the word posture, especially in the Alexander Technique community, is um, one that a lot of teachers don't like to use. So I use the word posture first and foremost because FM Alexander used it. Um, and so I felt comfortable with, with using it because he's referred to it before but mostly because it's a point of reference, not because um, I agree with what uh, the modern day view of posture is. And so I think when people think of posture today, people that um, haven't learned about the Alexander Technique or um, have a different way of uh, understanding posture than I do, it's very fixed. And when, when I have friends and new students come to me or just people that hear what I do, they some of them want to boast about their posture. I have very good posture and they do this. You know, they show me their soldier pose. They have such great posture. And, you know, and, and I think it's very sweet that they, you know, want to show me and they want to relate and, they, and it's a way for them to communicate with me because they're, they are trying to communicate. But there's a part of me that feels sad because what they're doing, in fact, by showing me this, this fixed kind of very tight um, way of holding themselves is uh, strain. That's what they're showing me. I, I see that as strain. And that is not what we teach in the Alexander Technique. We want to reduce strain and tension. So poise is kind of like when I think about the head balancing on our, you know, on the top here of our body, I think about how it's fluid. So when you think about poise, it's a fluid state, a state that changes and a, a state that we want it to be up. We want it to be uh, a balanced state, an aligned state. And posture doesn't, posture in the fixed sense of holding, when you think of posture as a snapshot, it doesn't permit that fluidity. But I like to at least use the word posture because it is under the same kind of picture of our body. So people understand it has something to do with the body. So I even use the word posture in my website. It's, you know, body and posture because I want people to understand that it's not something that we're not about. Your posture will improve as a result, but that's a, a kind of like a byproduct of a lot of other things that will improve with the Alexander technique, not just posture. But it's, um, it's very tricky to navigate between these two until you're able to dispel this notion of what, what, 
posture is to the public. You know, even if you go online and you see posture devices and posture machines and these uh, things that you could wear, you know, that tighten your, you know, and that makes me cringe because that's not what we teach. We, we kind of, I think in the Alexander Technique, it's really more about balance and it's poise, I think, permits that. But I don't think we should dismiss the word posture entirely because it is a way to communicate with other people and give them some insight as to what we do. Yeah, oh, I, I would agree. We need, um, as Alexander teachers, you need some kind of word that you can connect with your potential students mm -hmm. and, and bring them in and then you can you know, start to, to introduce them to maybe a different way of looking at that. But most people yeah. don't connect with the word poise or they don't quite know what right. it is. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So my last question is more along a in a kind of practical uh, question. And so you talk about the best way to know how you come across to others is to start with yourself and understand your own body habits, how you're holding yourself, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. But the issue with ha habits is that, you know, they are habits. And so it's hard for us to even know our habits because they tend to be below the level of consciousness. So I'm wondering if for our listeners, you have some just simple practical tips that they could use to help start them on a journey of becoming more aware of their own habits. And so it doesn't seem kind of unsurmountable. Yeah, that's a great a great question. It makes me think about um, the example that I used in the article about uh, a substitute teacher. When I was a kid in uh, in grade school, I remember uh, we would have substitute. We'd know we'd, we'd have a sub that day, and so we always wanted the really nice kind of pushover sub that you know would come in there, not be able to control the class. They would uh, just kind of try so hard to manage a class and scream and 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 kind of slump and, and give up when the class was chaotic. And those were the best kind because you get to have a free period. But they didn't have to be that way. It was just the way that they held themselves and their thoughts in this, in a sense, this thinking of, I'm overwhelmed. This is too much. I can't handle these kids. I have to scream. I have to react. I have to act in order to control them. As opposed to a different type of sub that would come in, cool as a cucumber, very poised. Um, and I remember these people distinctly because they didn't scream at all. I remember this one sub we had, it was this petite, tiny little woman, and she would just come in very calm, completely centered in her body, very much in control, not afraid of us. And, and this is something that also with, with wonderful teachers is that they're just so grounded and centered. They are very confident in their presence. And they're not going to let any young kid, you know, act up. That's just not even going to happen. I remember this one, um, this one substitute that, you know, came, people were, little kids were just moving around and doing this. And she just stopped them right when they were wiggling. Like the second they wiggled, you're not going to wiggle. They didn't even get to getting out of the chair. It was like, what, why are you wiggling? Why are you moving? You know, and it's, it's just, I guess, that level of awareness and that level of understanding, first and foremost, who we are in our bodies, what we're capable of in our bodies, being centered in our bodies, and then thinking about our habits. And even if we have these habits that, that tell us we're, we're not 
good, we're not confident, we're not these things. It's getting to that level of awareness of understanding, I can choose to change my thinking in this moment. And, and that's what I love about the Alexander technique is even when I'm frazzled, I know that I have that choice to stop for a second and, and, and say, you know, the Alexander technique mantra, let my neck be free so my head can go forward and up and let my back lengthen and widen. And just in that moment, when I stop my mantra in my head, it's like going, ah, I can pause. And, and that's part of being centered, I think, is, is understanding that we're always going to have different thoughts that come into our mind, but, but being able to kind of put the focus elsewhere and redirect it. So it sounds to me like you're inviting our listeners to focus first on noticing, I'm going to say the chatter in their head, what, what their thoughts are as a way of becoming more tuned to what their habits are, because our habits are our thoughts and our thoughts do affect our physical bodies. Absolutely. I think you said it better, actually. <laughs> I think that's a great way of, of framing it. And uh, Barrett Arkaya, who I, um, I just love, she's a wonderful Alexander Technique teacher in New York. And I remember once talking to her and she said, you know, this is a technique about, about thinking, that this is what this technique is about. It's about thinking. And I think that that's so much about with this technique. Of course, it impacts every other aspect of our life, but this is a technique about thinking, how we think. Because our thoughts do impact our actions and reactions. And that's kind of like where it starts. Great. Is there anything else that you would like to share, um, you know, about, about what you wrote about in the article? No, I, I, uh, I just, I guess just that our posture or the way we hold ourselves, I think it, it, it does speak volumes about, who we are, but we can also change it. And I think that that's what I would like the listeners to take away from this is that, you know, it's not fixed. Posture is not fixed. It's fluid. And uh, even if you've been told your whole life, you have poor posture, like a lot of my students have been told, or um, if you think you're hopeless, it's not. I mean, if I could improve and change, I think anybody can. <laughs> so uh, that's, uh, that's, I guess, the takeaway. And uh, just to say thank you so much, Lauren, for uh, doing this. You're welcome. It's been, it's been fun to <laughs> yes. have this conversation. Yes. Thank you.